If you are saved, if you're clinging on to that hope of salvation, if you're putting faith in that, if you're holding on to the promises that Jesus has given to us through Scripture, He is very interested in your life. He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. Let's humble ourselves to the Lord. Let's submit to what the Lord has called us to do. And let the Lord be the guide of our lives so we personally don't have to fear the fall of our pride. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. How's everyone doing? Man, we're yeah, we're getting we might be getting a little too big for this room here soon. This is crazy. Almost. It is a very good thing. So yeah, but uh we keep this up. We may need to move downstairs soon. Caitlin, what's that? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we'll have you as our writer. Do you have very good handwriting? Can anyone can anyone agree to that, that Caitlin has good handwriting? Uh, let, me, let me rephrase the question. Is her handwriting better than mine? Okay. There we go. Awesome. Well, welcome to Wednesday night, guys. We're glad that you're here. It's the best night of the week. Um, what's that? Uh, you're right. Probably not. I don't know. Anyways, mine's pretty bad. You weren't here the last... Maybe you were. I don't know. Last time I used the whiteboard, it was pretty... It was a mess. Yes. Whoever said that, it was a mess. Yeah. Um, so we got... I have at least two new people forms here. Um, we have Ella here. Where's Ella? Ella? Ella, hi. Say hi to Ella, everyone. Ah, oh, come on! You can do better than that. Let's do, let's try it again. One, two, three. Hi, Ella. All right. We now also have Skyla. Skyla, where's Skyla? Skyla, right in the back there. All right. Let's say hi to Skyla. One, two, three. Great. Anyone else we missed? Quincy. Let's all say hi to Quincy on the count of three. One. Two, three. Perfect. Awesome. A <laughs> um, couple of announcements, a couple of things. Um, if you didn't do this, coming when you go downstairs during after small groups and that, on a table, there's a survey with a purple folder next to it. Uh, if you haven't filled out a survey, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, it helps me get an idea of how we're doing to uh, help you guys here on a ministry on a Wednesday night. So if you haven't filled that out, please do so. Please be honest. You don't have to put your name on it. So if you're like, oh, if I'm honest, but Pastor Mike finds out it's me, he's never going to want me back. No, that's not what's going to happen. All right? So, and even if you did put your name on it and we're honest, we'd still welcome you back. Okay? Um, what's that? Mostly. Mostly. No. <laughs> um I had a second announcement. I don't remember the second one. But the third one I remember. Where is uh, Elena? Elena Ritter. Elena Ritter. Hi. I, I don't remember. I don't not remember. Not to embarrass you here and don't want to put you on the spot. But I, yes. <laughs> sorry, but this is an encouragement. First off, 
For all those who are on the worship team, you guys do great. Your leaders do a fantastic job of, of helping you guys and leading you and everything like that. But you, you're in what grade right now? Seventh, right? So in a year, I have seen tremendous growth that the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life. To be a, to, let, I know that. Let me finish. I remember when you first came. Very shy. You're still, you know, a little reserved, shy, and little, but that's okay. We all, we're all like that. All different personalities than that. You were shy, and it took a lot of courage for you to come up here, right? Right? A lot of, yeah, your eyes like, yeah, yeah, I was like encouraged, but it took a lot of courage for you to come up here. And to see you tonight up here worshiping, hands held high to the Lord Jesus. It's bringing a tear to my eye that I'm trying to hold back, and I, I just want to say God is doing amazing work in your life right now, so keep pressing towards Him, all right? So. Oh, now I remember my second announcement, now is now my third announcement. Um, testimonies. <laughs> Last one. Testimonies. Listen, we are going to bring back student testimonies, hopefully here in the next few weeks, and I'll actually have some of our leaders share some of their testimonies as well. Um, so keep an eye out for a form uh, that you can sign up for this, and um, we'll get you more information about that, okay? Um, so let's get into this study. We're in week three of Anxious, and last week, well, instead of me talking about last week, what did we talk about last week? Being anxious. Okay. <laughs> Yes, being anxious, but Micah. Yeah, the walls. Okay, so let's explain it. Let's expound on that. How to kill anxiety. Yeah, you guys must have been paying attention because there were a lot of memes last week. Uh, like, okay. <laughs> came down. Caitlin. All right. So what did we learn last week? How to not make a wall around our heart. That's good. And how do we tend to make walls around our hearts? Ryan. Anxieties and worries. Okay, Mike Fletcher. What's that? Drugs, right? Yeah. yeah no, let's not laugh about that. That's true. That's true. Depression. Depression. Yep. Right. That's a big one. Keeping things from yourself, not sharing with other people. Lauren. Relying on things other than God. Okay, that's fine. Go on. Right, his urgency in prayer. That's a good one. Why Why should we be urgent in prayer? Emma, if you want to expound on that, if you want to, or if not, we can go to someone else. No? Okay, why should we be urgent in prayer? No one. No one. Going once, twice. Come on, don't be shy. No one's going to like... Alright, why, why should we be urgent in prayer? Why should our prayers be urgent? Ryan Roman's hand went up, so I'm gonna go on him. Right, so we talked about that. What, what were some things some of you guys shared that why you don't make certain requests to the Lord? Does anyone remember that? Aiden. Feel like they're not big enough. Saw your hand come up. Too selfish. You think they're stupid. And what did we conclude about those? Not true. true. They're lies from the enemy to keep you from what? To praying and and communicating with God. Very good. So, 
Tonight, we're going to be talking about what it means to be content. Does anyone know what that word means? If you know it, don't answer it right now, just hold on to it. We're going to talk about being content or living a life of contentment, but I came across an article. It's called, Why the Grass Looks Greener on the Other Side. Anyone ever hear that phrase like, oh, the grass looks greener on the other side? Okay, a few hands went up. All right. So here's here's an article written by a girl named uh, Marilyn Voss Savant. Talk about a name. Marilyn Voss Savant. Um, she must be a very, very savant, yes. Anyways, she gave an interesting perspective on what contentment means. One reader wrote in about an, a unique experiment, experiment she had conducted after being dissatisfied that her neighbor's yard looked better than her own. She did, she did what few have done and walked next door to look back at her own grass. When she stood in her neighbor's yard, the grass in her own yard now looked greener than theirs, so she asked, why does this occur? So if you're lost and confused because I tripped over my words, what this person did, she went from her yard to her neighbor's yard and said, wow, my grass does look greener on the other side. And she's like, okay, well, why is this? Marilyn replied, the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence because you're not close enough to see the dirt. Most of the time, things look better for others simply because we can't see their dirt. You guys think about that. You think about that story. Some of you are nodding your head, like, yeah, I agree about that. So, so we can be far from a situation, right? And we think, sheesh. I don't know if I use that correctly, but sheesh. Their life looks really great. <laughs> no, I won't do that one. Anyways. Well, you look on the other... Alright, that wasn't... <laughs> You're going to be doing enough of that on winter retreat. Anyways, you look on the other side of the, the, the fence and you think, man, their life looks a lot better. Their life looks easy. Man, I wish I lived, had a life like theirs. But then yet, when you look a little bit closer, find out that all of us have some problems in our life. Right? How many of you have got some problems? You got some issues you're dealing with going on right now, right? So, what do we do then? Let's go back to this word being content. What do we do to being content in our current situation? What do we do about being content with our current life? What do we do about being content with the certain things that we have? And the Apostle Paul is going to answer that question for us here tonight. So, turn your Bibles if you have one which I hope you do, to Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 12. Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 12. We're only going to look at two verses from this section, but we're going to go deeper in some other um, scripture here. So, Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 12. We good? Thumbs up if we're good. You guys ready? Ready? Alright, thumbs up. Alright. Saw one thumbs down. Sorry, Ben, but there were more, uh, more thumbs up. <laughs> Alright, Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 12. I know both how to make do with little. I'm gonna wait, cause I keep hearing more pages flip, so I'll wait. 
Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Starting at verse 12, chapter 4. If you have the CSB Bible that we give you, it's on page 1059. Well, 1,050. Okay, maybe they're different now. I don't know. Anyways. Philippians. All right. Oh, wait. It's all good. This is a great practice for you guys to know where the books of the Bible are. So, if you're good. Maybe we'll, Where's Quincy? Where's... Maybe we should do a game on book. Thumbs up. All right. Are we good? Philippians chapter 4? Okay. Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 12. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Guys, join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for tonight, Lord. We thank You for everyone that is here with us this evening, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I ask for Your help tonight as we continue to go through Your Word and we look um, at this thing that just tries to control our lives and entangle us, Lord God, in this thing of anxiety, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray first and foremost that people recognize in here today that You alone help fight the battle against anxiety, Lord Jesus. And I pray if there's no one in here that knows this, Lord, that tonight is the night through the power of the Holy Spirit that they know the truth of who You are. Father God, for those who know You but want to learn how to fight this battle well, Father, I pray tonight that we can all learn what it means to be content in all things in our daily life, Lord God. Lord, I just pray uh, for lives to be transformed, and we give you all glory and honor. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Alright, so let's answer this first question. Caitlin, since you got a lot of support, come on up. <laughs> All right. Does anyone know what the word content means? Yes. So write content. No, you can't use Google, and you shouldn't. Yeah, you don't have. You shouldn't have yourself. All right. Saw Dante's hand come up first. So what does it mean to be content? It's where a scammer goes camping. <laughs> That's a good one, but no, not the definition I'm looking for. I I saw your hand come up second, so go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So that you're right on point. So I'm just going to give something a little bit shorter, okay? Feeling or showing satisf- satisfaction with one's possessions, status, and situation. So you ready to so write this down? We're going to take it slowly. Feeling or showing. Yeah, your handwriting is definitely a lot better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> Satisfaction 
with one's possessions. Status. And situation. Alright, Caitlin, now I need you to underline three words in that definition. Possessions. Status. Situation. Cool. Awesome. So we're going to talk about those three things here um, briefly. Caitlin, you can actually sit down right now. So thank you, Caitlin, for doing that. Judges, what do you think? Her handwriting a lot better than mine. Okay. All right. All right. So we see content, feeling of showing satisfaction with one's possessions, status, and situation. So let's look at these three. Possessions. Bible also likes to call them treasures. What are our treasures or our possessions? Dante. Stuff. Stuff. Okay, name some possessions you have. Phone. Ben. Phone. Okay. Quad. Dylan. Hat. Close. TV. What's that? Pencils and crayons. Twice. Old Spice. A watch. Clayton. Animals. iPad. Skis. Anything else? Netflix. Okay. Shoes. Micah. Xbox, okay, alright, we got a lot of possession, now we gotta move on, we can go on that forever. Alright, so you got phones, you got iPads, you got Xboxes, you got laptops, shoes, clothes, now how many of you just recently, you picked the item, just recently got a new phone, let's just say that, let's let's pretend you hypothetically got a new phone, who got a new Xbox or something, PS5, right? If anyone's a PS5, I don't know. Anyways, now, now, now how many of you, after you just got the new fill-in-the-blank, you saw a commercial for the next best thing? I mean, let's be honest. Let's say, let's do phones. Let's say you just got the new iPhone 13, whatever it's at right now. And then they show a commercial the next day for an iPhone 14. You're like, gotta have it! (laughs) Mom, I need to have it! As I throw Emma off the chair. Alright. No. Let's be honest. If it's not a phone, let's say you just bought a brand new pair of shoes and you see another pair of shoes, you're like, I gotta have it! How many of you have been like... No! (laughs) How many of you... Yeah? Okay. Alright. All of us at some point, maybe this isn't necessarily a struggle. Sorry, I just confused everyone with the gotta have it. Alright. Let's bring it down. Let's relax here for a moment. Whoop. Alright. Alright. So having the next latest and greatest possession, I'll be honest, is something I've struggled with. Okay? I've gotten a laptop, and I'm like, I want the better laptop. I've gotten a car, I'm like, I want the more fancy car. 
I got chocolate chip ice cream and I wanted Hershey pie. I don't know. Something. (laughs) But I wanted the next greatest and best thing. But I wasn't content with what I had. And the reason for it is sometimes because we judge on what we have based on the next thing, which is our status. We base our status on what we have, or we judge others' status based on what they have or don't have. Let's, let's just be honest in here. You're all teenagers for the most part, except for my adult leaders but, uh, and myself. But we're all teenagers in here. Who's ever struggled with being cool? Or wanting to be part of the cool crowd? Alright. Alright. Listen. So I came across an article. I was doing some research. Because I wanted to see what's considered cool to be a teenager. I know you're excited to see what it means to be a cool teenager, but none of it makes sense to me. But anyways, according to the Washington Post, and please keep your actions to a... The Washington Post, 20 things that are currently cool according to teenagers. I'm not going to give you them all, but I'll give you some. Uh, Number 18, having a car makes you a cool teenager. Uh, number 17, living the life of a rapper makes you a cool teenager. Um, this one, I don't know what this is, so if someone knows this, please explain it to me later, not right now. Ironic grunge. Okay. Um, Pokemon. If you like Pokemon, that makes you a cool team. Alright. You are a cool teenager. You are apparently a cool teenager based on this article. If you have Hollister and Abercrombie and Fitch. <coughs> like six months ago. Yeah, this is about six months ago. So just to let you know. Yeah. Um, another one. <clears throat> Ray-Bans, Doc Martens, and Converse sneakers makes you a cool teenager, apparently. <clears throat> All right. Here's another one. I know. It's so exciting to figure out what it means to be a cool teenager, but shh, we got to get through it. Well, I'm getting, I'm getting to the other ones, all right? So, all right, number 12, Vine and Instagram makes you a cool teenager if you have them. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm trying to get through these. Number 11, being smart. <clears throat> number 10, I don't even know what this is, ask.fm. All right, moving on. You are a cool teenager if you listen to electronic dance music. Number eight, 
You are a cool teenager according to this. And they surveyed 144,000 teenagers, by the way. <clears throat> Number eight. E-cigarettes are vaping. Number seven. Number seven, hating on Facebook. Number six, you are considered a cool teenager if you're roaming your local area or city with your friends without a real agenda. Okay. Number five. I think this one tends more to the girls, but maybe guys talk about this too. Number five, having pronounced eyebrows and discussing them at length. I noticed a lot of girls laughed after I said that, so it definitely must be a girl thing. All right. Number four, you are a cool teenager if you discuss about Disney's Frozen. Okay. All right. Here come the not-so-funny ones. Number three, you are considered a cool teenager in today's culture if... Getting, if you are getting drunk to the point of getting sick. Okay. Keep your comments to yourself. <clears throat> Number two, you are considered a cool teenager for hating things that are cool. So I was like, that one I was kind of like, wait a minute. So if you're trying to make yourself cool, but being cool means hating what is cool. Does that mean you hate yourself? That's so twisted. Anyways, okay. Alright, so I'll be honest. This one, this one shocked me, and it also scared me how much the world has sexualized things. This might convict some of you. I'm just saying. The number one cool thing, or the number one thing that makes you a cool teenager these days is if you have Snapchat and send naked pictures to people. That are the 20 things that make you apparently cool as a teenager. So let's let's recap here for a little bit. So possessions, as I said... Sometimes your status of cool can be based on your possessions, on what you have or you don't have, or what you do or you don't do. How many has ever felt the pressure of being cool? Just raise your hand. How many, okay, so let me let me phrase the question. Instead of being cool, how many of you felt the pressure of fitting in? Or con- there you go, much better. Or conforming to something that you don't necessarily believe in, right? So. Possessions, status, and the last one here, situation. Uh, situation, let's, let's hypothetically say you plan a fun afternoon with a group of friends. Hopefully a group of friends in here, right? And you're hoping it's a nice sunny day, but it becomes a blizzard. How do you respond in in that situation? Are you content that it's a blizzard and you can hang indoors, have hot cocoa and marshmallows? Or are you really upset that you can't go outside and play whatever? 
in the snow. Right? Now, that's something small, but, but what about a situation what about a situation that may not be very good right now? How many of you said you're in a tough season, kind of stressing out about certain things, right? Some of you raise your hand. How content are you right now in being that season? Are you kind of just like, get me out of this! Right? Let's be honest. Some of you are kind of like, let's get out of this situation. But I... The reason I focus on those things is because I want to talk, I want to go way back to the beginning in the Bible. Way back in the beginning. Yeah, who said it? Genesis, yes. We're going to go way back to Genesis. You don't have to turn there, but I encourage you, if you haven't read the story, the first three chapters at at least, I'm going to summarize the story of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And in six days, He created all things. And on the seventh day, He took a rest. I don't know who's on Team Cheese, but Dante, here you go. Um, he created the heavens and the earth, created all things in six days. Seventh day, He rested. He also created man and woman in His own image. Everything was perfect. And they lived in a garden called? Eden. Alright, very good. Garden of Eden. And they, let's, let's, so let's stop there for a second. Garden of Eden. And in this story, Adam and Eve had possessions, they had status, and they had a situation before the fall. The possessions, they had everything. But one thing. We'll come back to that in a minute. We don't know if it was an apple tree, but, right. We'll come back, we'll come back to that, that situation in a second. Their status, before the fall, was perfect. They were perfect. None of us know what perfection is like. They, Their status was perfect. And their situation was a pretty good life. Right? They were in holy communion with God. Yeah, they were in holy communion with God, living in harmony before the fall. Now, the enemy named Satan came slithering along. Yeah, I know. I just did. Okay. Anyways, came slithering along. Thanks. <laughs> and came up to Eve and said this following question to Eve. Did God really say you can't eat from the tree? Yes. Yes, you do. All right. I, we, We know the answer, but (laughs) I'm just trying to summarize the story here for you. Did God really say such and such? And Eve responded, well, God said, you need to be careful. And here's, here's a point, side note here. You need to be careful what you add or even subtract from the word of God. Because Eve is about to add something that God never said, and the enemy twisted that for his agenda. So, Eve said, no, God said we can't touch the tree or eat of its fruit or we will die. The enemy said, you will not die. For God knows if you eat of it, you will become just like it, in a sense. Now, 
Eve was not told not to touch the tree. She could have touched the tree if she wanted to. She was just told not to eat the fruit. So was Adam, okay? We're not blaming the whole thing on Eve here. Technically, it's Adam's fault first. He should have been a man and been there and stopped him and whatever. Anyways. <clears throat> so Satan says, no, you surely won't die. And he twists this lie that we all fall into from time to time. He said, Eve, I know you have everything, and Adam, I know you have everything, and you live in a perfect state, and your situation's great, but it could be better. It could be better if you just eat that forbidden fruit. If you eat that fruit, your life will be better. Now, there's nothing else you get from tonight. Here's something I want you to write down. The reason you may not be content with your current life is due to the content you are allowing in your life. I'll say it again. The reason you may not be content with your life is due to the content you allow in your life. Let me explain. When God created Adam and Eve, he told Adam, and Adam relayed the message to Eve, what life was supposed to be like, what it means to live in communion with him. And he said, whatever you do, don't eat that fruit. That was their content. That was their information, their their instructions from the Lord. But they allowed an enemy, they allowed a content of lie to infiltrate their brains, infiltrate their souls, saying... Nah, you can have a better life. You're in perfection. (laughs) Think about that. They're in perfection. And they're telling, you can have a better life. And you know what the better life they were sold on that most of us get sold on? More stuff? Bigger, bigger than that. Deeper than that. Way deeper. Because we find perfection in Jesus Christ. That's where perfection comes from. um, Okay, go back to the other question. What's the one lie that we all can tend to believe that's much deeper than just being cool or having all these things? Ah, yes. To just be like Jesus. To be just like God. Or to even be better than God. And the reason the enemy tempts us into thinking that, and the reason that from time to time we will fall into that temptation, is because Satan himself thought he could have a better situation, a better status, and possess all things thinking that he could be better than God. Yes? I said they're both at fault, yeah, but I, as the man, okay, here's where my perspective, where I'm saying, yes, as the man, he should have been there to protect his wife and everything, that's, that's where I'm just coming from. What? It shows that he was, scripture says he was right there when it was all happening, so, yeah, but that's a great point. Anyways, back on topic. 
So the lie that we need to be careful of, the content that we need to be careful of with Satan's lies, is that if you just had enough blank, if you just had the next and greatest iPhone, if you had the next and greatest Xbox, if you had the next and greatest shoes, next and greatest clothes, well, your status will change and your situation will change. Or better yet, if you try to live life on your own, you can be just like God. Or, we also get the same questions that Eve got, like, did God really say? And when we start to believe, well, I don't know, did God really say that? Is that the truth of what God's scripture says? We can tend to believe then, no, for example... Some of you don't may not believe this, but did you know that Jesus Christ loves you? Like, I know you guys know head knowledge. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ loves me. But do you, in your seat personally, know that Jesus Christ loves you? Heart, mind, and soul, do you believe that? And only you can answer that question. Right? And that He showed His love by dying on the cross for us. But sometimes we allow the enemy to seep these lies in. Well, did God really say He loves you? Are you sure about that? Does God really say He loves you? And Satan himself will twist Scriptures, because he even twisted Scriptures against Jesus when Jesus was fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And what did Jesus say to Satan to combat that? Does anyone know? Dante. Right. What it? What, do you know what he quoted? Do you know what he said when Satan tried to twist Scripture? In particular. Yeah. Right. Do you know? Do you know the line that he said though? I'm just curious. For for it is written, "Do not test the Lord your God." Is one of the things that he quoted that Jesus. Yes. Yeah. That one. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. But you're a good point. I just wanted, wanted to go deeper. I wanted to challenge you a little bit more there. So good job. So yeah, Jesus quoted as saying, you will not test Lord your God. Okay? But sometimes we will believe when Satan says, did God really say? We tend to sometimes believe, oh yeah, maybe, maybe God really doesn't love me. And so then we start believing this next lie that no, God won't really save you. Or no, God really hasn't saved you. No, God really hasn't forgiven you for your sins. Which then leads to this third lie that says, go ahead and be or do whatever you want. Now, what does this all have to do with contentment? What does this mean to be content in your life? Paul said it very clearly in verse 13 that Paul learned to be content by finding strength in the Lord. Now, this is one of those Bible verses that gets quoted um, wrongly. It says, I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now, does this mean, class, that I can be the next LeBron James? All right. 
Does this mean... Does this mean I can be the next... I don't know who's in the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, quarterback. Whatever, whoever, you're... Whatever. Does it, no, that's not what this means. All right? Let's bring it back here for a minute. What this means, what Paul is saying here, as a Christian... You learn to find contentment by being strengthened in the Lord in every situation, every status of your life, in every possession that you have. Paul, we mentioned about this last week. What are some things that happened to Paul? And yet this is a guy who's saying, don't be anxious for anything and be content in everything throughout your entire life. What are some things... He got whipped three times, which means he got whipped 39 times, three separate times. Okay. Shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. Toby. He got bitten by a snake and lived. Yes. Anything else? Hey. Stranded in sea for 24 hours. So he had all these things happen to him. And I mentioned earlier that the Apostle Paul, you want to know about his possessions before he knew Jesus? He had everything. According to the world, he had money. His family, he grew up with money. Um, he could have everything that he wanted in his life at that point before he knew Christ. His status was considered cool among the religious people. He thought he was going to. Many thought he would be the next high priest. So Caiaphas, who knows who Caiaphas is? Put your hand if you know who Caiaphas is. We all no. We went through Mark. Who? No one knows who's Caiaphas. Someone say who Caiaphas is. Okay, thank you. So, Paul should have been considered the next Caiaphas. And Paul's situation was pretty good. Now, Paul's situation, he's in jail when he wrote this letter. And by jail, I don't mean a jail system here in America. He's actually chained to a Roman guard that he's rocking around with throughout the day and everything like that. Also in his situation... Let me come back to that. Never mind. Situation, he's in jail. His status, he's no longer cool. Religious leaders want to kill him. Possessions, he has none. He's in jail. And that's why people, why he says he gives thanks to those who give in his time of need. Because in order to survive in jail, they needed to wait on others to bring possessions to them. So for the church to come to Paul and say, Here some, here's some money, here's some food for you to survive in that, that's why he's giving thanks in those things. So we have a guy who had it all. He's up here on the mountaintop. And now he's here, according to the world. And yet he says, I can be content in everything. He learned to be content and everything. And the reason that he learned to be content in everything, and the reason we can learn to be content in everything is because it's Jesus Christ who defines our situation, it's Jesus Christ who defines our status, and it's Jesus Christ who defines our possessions, not the world. Listen, some of you may not have all these worldly possessions. I don't know what your home life is like. Some of you I do. But you may not have all the latest and greatest things. But if you're in Jesus Christ, you know what the one great possession you'll have? You will dwell in the riches of the Lord's heaven for all eternity. Revelation 21, just parts of it, starting at verse 9. 
gives us a glimpse of what heaven looks like. Then one of the seven angels who had held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. That's the church. He then carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So this is the new heaven, new Jerusalem that's built, arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance was like a precious jewel. Now listen to this description of this place. It outweighs anything that we have here on this earth. Her radiance was like a precious precious jewel, like a jasper stone clear as crystal. The city had a massive high wall with twelve gates. Twelve angels were at the gates. The names of the twelve tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. The city wall had twelve foundations, and the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb were found on the foundations. The one, excuse me, the one who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out in a square. Its length and width are the same. He measured the city with a rod at 12,000 stadia. Don't ask, I don't know that exact, how long that is. Big, okay? There you go. Two Alaskas worth. 12,000 stadia. In its length, width, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to human measurements, which the angel used. The building material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the city wall were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first foundation is jasper, the second kind, sapphire, the third, chalcedony. hope I said that correctly. The fourth, emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, carnelian, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, Chrysophrase, the eleventh, Jasonith, the twelfth, Amethyst. The twelfth gates are twelve pearls. Each individual gate was made of a single pearl. Here's the last thing you need to know about heaven. The main street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. It's a mystery on how he's building the new heaven and new Jerusalem, but we get a brief description. That, you get to dwell in that for all eternity. Your possessions here on earth, they're gone when you're gone. David. Where is that now? What? Revelation chapter 21. That's where I read from. Verses 9 through 21. So, that possession being in heaven sounds pretty cool, right? Who's with me? Okay. Now, you may, your status here on earth, according to worldly concerns, may not be cool. Your worldly status may not be on the mountaintop here in the world. But in Christ Jesus, you are an adopted son and daughter and an heir to the throne. Romans 8, 15-17 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's 
children, and if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. All right, so the world says you're not cool. All right, the world says that being a Christian means you're lame. All right, the worldview says, oh, you, you believe in the Bible, that's old age, that's, that's not worthy to believe in anymore. God says in His Word that you're heir to the throne. You're an adopted son or daughter. You, you are loved by Him. I think that's a pretty cool status to be loved by God. Be considered heir or co-heir to the throne. Forget being cool here on earth. And the last one, you may not have the best situation in your current life right now. I don't know what your situation may be right now. But in Jesus Christ, He will give you the strength to persevere. 2 Timothy 4, 16-18 says, At my first defense, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, At my first defense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that I might, so that I might fully preach the word, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth, The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Alright, so your situation isn't the greatest right now. Alright, you look at this world and you look at the situation of America, you look at the situation across the world and you think it's chaos and and nothing's going to happen. Let me phrase that. You think something bad is going to happen. All right, personal level, maybe you're in a relationship and you just broke up with him or you just broke up with her. Um, your situation in school, maybe people are making fun of you because you're a Christian or just making fun of you for whatever situation and, and you want to find a way to persevere. You, you want a way to know that you can get through it. You want a way to figure out how can I be content in my life so I'm not anxious about my possessions. That I'm not anxious about my status. I'm not anxious about my current situation. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I'll end with this. Jesus Christ. Son of God. Dwelled in the heavens. His status, he's the Son of God. He can't like can't can't go any higher, right? Son of God. And his situation in heaven was pretty good. Actually a lot of good. And yet he gave up all of his possessions in the heavenly realm. He gave up his status temporarily in the heavenly realm. And he gave up his perfect situation in the heavenly realm temporarily to come and dwell on this earth. To live a perfect life in communion and harmony with God. He was tempted in every way, 
to be anxious through all these things. And he was tempted by the enemy in every single way to get out of God's will to not go to the cross. And yet, through prayer, through urgent prayer, through seeking Lord God the Father, by looking to Him in all things, Jesus went to the cross. He died for you. You and your seat. Some of you right now, that's hard for you to believe. When I say you, you're like, oh yeah, everyone but me. No, 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 no. He died for you. Why? Because He loves you. And He wants you to know that through Him, through His strength as a declared follower of Jesus Christ, no matter what possessions or possessions you don't have, no matter what status or status you don't have, or no matter what situation or bad situation you are in, in this world, in Jesus Christ, He will make all things new. may not be right away. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be instantly. But one day He will. And the question is, as we get ready for worship and going to small groups is, is that where your strength is found? Is your strength found in Jesus Christ to get you through your current situation, to get you through things that are going on? Or are you trying to do this life on your own? It's a question we need to all ask ourselves. It's a question we need to know. Are, are, do we care more of what the world thinks of us based on our position, status, and situation? Or do we care more of what Jesus Christ, our Lord and King of Kings, thinks about? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for tonight, Lord. Father, I I know that sometimes there are some tougher messages and sometimes there are, are, are times that maybe it's not clearly communicated, Lord God, but I pray that all of us in here tonight recognize that we can find contentment in You and You alone. That we don't have to be anxious about what possessions we have or don't have. That we don't have to be anxious about our current status in this world. And we don't have to be anxious about our current situation in our lives, Lord God. Now that doesn't mean we, especially with situations, we try to deny it or anything. But it, but it shows when we don't allow anxiousness and worriness and all these things, but we find contentment. When we find peace beyond all understanding, we rest assured that you are in control. That you are our strength in time of need. So Father God, I pray for all of us in here tonight, Lord. Wherever areas we may struggle with contentment, whether it's with our possessions, maybe with our situation or our status in life, Or maybe, just maybe, we're in a middle ground battle trying to be content in our faith walk with you, Jesus. Maybe, maybe we've believed the lies that 
you're holding back from us. Maybe we've believed the lies that you don't truly love us. Maybe we believe the lies that your word isn't true. Father God, I pray that we are rest assured that we find peace in you and knowing that you do truly love us, that you do truly care for us. Father, that our true strength is found in you. Father, I pray tonight that all of us in here can walk out of here transformed and being content with our current situations, Lord God, and knowing that, yes, while there may be evil in this world, while, yes, the curse of sin has broken many things, yes, we will have many trials in this world. Yes, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, we can rest assured that Jesus Christ has overcome the world. God, we give you all glory and honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hi, Pastor Mike here. Thank you for listening to the Morningstar Student Ministry Podcast. Whatever your age, my hope and prayer is that you grow a desire to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through these messages. For more information about the Morningstar Fellowship Student Ministry, or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, please visit www.mstarqtown.org and search MSTAR Students. God bless and have a great week.